You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Missouri Tigers are Cotton Bowl champions. They get the 14-3 win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hello and welcome to Mizzou That's Who, your podcast for Missouri Athletics here at KC Sports Network. I'm Tucker Franklin, joined as always by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, just trying to get one more in for 2023. Right? Uh, make sure BJ knows you know how, how the pay gets distributed and all that. Right, it's the it's for the tax implications because we got to sneak yeah, this one in for for twenty twenty three. Maggie, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I just got off a plane, uh, came here, and basically jumped on the podcast with you guys. So, um, yeah, super excited. Uh, Dallas was a blast. Got to meet a bunch of listeners and Twitter followers and everything like that. So, couldn't have asked for a better weekend to be honest with you. There were a ton of Mizzou fans in Dallas. Uh, so I drove down there and I was, so I had seen like that Ohio State didn't sell two thirds of their allotment and that Mizzou obviously sold out their allotment very quickly. Uh, but it was very clear when just like walking to the stadium inside the stadium, that it was predominantly Mizzou fans. And it was, I don't know if you could tell on like TV broadcast or anything, but being in the stadium, it was like, it felt like it was mostly Mizzou fans uh, in, in the stadium. Everything, like I kept getting friends that were texting saying, I'm this place is 90% Mizzou fans. I'm this place, it's 95% Mizzou fans. I was actually surprised there was a little more red on the TV in the game than I expected. I mean, it looked closer to 50-50 than I thought it was going to be. I don't know if it obviously felt that way, but there were more Ohio State fans just kind of looking at the you know 20,000 foot view than I thought there were going to be. Somebody on our board said, they showed up for the game. They just don't appear to be very social and did not hang out during the week. So maybe that was it. That's what we were saying. So we went to we went to Texas Live before, and we walked in, and we were like, "Um, it's only Missouri. at that point." When we walked in, it was probably a hundred to one, and then it got down to probably like fifty to one, which is still pretty insane. It may have even been more than that. And I don't know this was technically a home game for Ohio State, right? I mean, they were the home team. I mean, they were the home team. Yeah. They, this was not a... I mean, if being in the stadium, being around the stadium, the fact we had our thing at Globe Life, I think theirs might have been like outside on the west side of the stadium, which is maybe why we didn't see them because Globe Life is on the east side of the stadium. But you go in there, I would say it was probably 60-40. Because there were a lot of people, like Mizzou fans kind of sprinkled in on the OSU side. I mean, but when you were walking up, it was funny because, you know, you have vendors sometimes that are like selling things and they were selling all Ohio state things. And I walked by one of them. I was like, bet you wish you had some of this stuff. <laughs> he wasn't selling anything. Cause there were just, mm. there were no Ohio state fans over there. I wonder if proximity probably had a good thing, good deal to do with that. Like uh Missouri, like Kansas city or like, Columbia, like Dallas to the to those, like to the state of Missouri itself is like a little closer than Ohio is. Well, and like 
I, I don't want Missouri fans to take this as an insult because it's not. But this was an event for Missouri. That's this was a big deal. This hadn't happened in 10 years. In the playoff era, this is the best bowl Missouri's ever played it. And it's also the worst one Ohio State's ever played. Like, And that's not insulting the game. It's not taking away from Missouri winning it. It's just a matter of what they've gotten used to. You know, if the if they have the AFC title game at a neutral location and it's the Browns and the Chiefs, there are going to be more Browns fans there. You know, I mean, that's just how it is. Ohio State fans were saying that this is the most they've ever been outnumbered at any bowl that they've been to. They were like, we yeah. couldn't, we can't even yeah. believe how many fans are there, which was really cool. But no, I I agree with you. I was just talking to somebody else too, because you know, as, as being on Twitter and you see these things and people are always like, oh, we're your Super Bowl, you're your Super Bowl. This, I mean, I would say that this, this was, was our Super, Super Bowl. This yeah. was our Super Bowl. I mean, people might disagree with me. They might not like those words, but this was our Super Bowl. And I mean, hey, we won it. So what more could you ask? Yeah, until hopefully next year at this time. But yeah, exactly. For given the last, you know, like even I was watching the game with my wife and, uh, you know, she was saying, they've been to the Cotton Bowl before. Why are, why is this so like, why are people like this? I said, well, it's been nine years. It's Ohio State. Like, it's been a long time since yeah. they've been this good. And, and she said, okay, I think just maybe they're paying attention and I haven't been paying attention maybe is is the deal. Um, so, but yeah, it was a it was a big deal for Missouri. And um, I, I was interested, though, and I know you guys didn't hear the broadcast, but yeah. they were really playing up the... Don't think Ohio State doesn't care about this game. Their fans might not, but Ryan Day cares about it, and the team cares about it, and all that. And so, you know, I saw a thing on Twitter, and it was not specific to Ohio State, Missouri, but it was like college football fans, bowl games don't matter. Also college football fans, why are we playing like trash fire everyone? This is awful. You know, like, you can't say it, you can't go in saying it matters and then come out saying, well, it didn't really you look at the two kind of early on in this game, I was driving down to Dallas and had a buddy send me a tweet about uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. not expected to play. I don't think that was a surprise if you guys listened to this podcast. We kind of speculated that that was going to be the case. He was in Dallas, traveled with the team, never practiced. Um, and probably a good decision for him on the future of his NFL career. But the one I was surprised by was Tommy Eichenberg. I know we kind of thought that Tommy Eichenberg was not going to play. Uh, he didn't end up playing, but that Ohio State defense played really well like they, they've got some dudes they got some really good athletes on that team um and that defense was i was really impressed by the ohio state defense like a top two defense probably in the country um but yeah i, I think going into that game you know uh, you're gonna see a lot of those takes online and we predicted this right we talked about this on 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 the episode before that we're like well this would be the shell of the ohio state team they're on their well then third string quarterback now because Devin brown goes in and looks awful and get hurt gets hurt so that wasn't a great uh experience for ohio state fans and they bring in lincoln Clydewold. is that his last name i don't even remember uh him all that much he's a re- he was a freshman like this that. year yeah it's supposed to be pretty good but still a freshman in your first game against cotton bowl uh pretty pretty tough competition but uh overall game uh the first half of that game was not a very entertaining football game it looked like a big 10 west game broke out it was Wild. I mean, the first three quarters, really. Yeah, um, it became yeah. obvious very early. Like fourteen points is 
absolutely going to win this game, and it might not take that many. Um, and you know, I was getting a lot of a lot of texts from Mizzou fans upset about play calling and Brady Cook and this and that. And this is the hardest thing to do in sports. The other guys are real damn good. Yes. Like that is a really good defense with NFL players on every level and all everything. And I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Leading up to this. No, the numbers are really good, but I mean, they played Iowa and Minnesota and like, is their defense that, uh huh, it's that good, you know, and, and I know it is sacrilege to suggest good football is played anywhere outside of the Southeastern Conference. I know you're not allowed to do that when the team you follow is in the Southeastern Conference, but that is a national championship level defense without quite, that doesn't mean everything on Missouri's side was perfect, but that offensive line was getting blown up on Every play by Ohio State. I mean, and, and there were some plays, and they highlighted a couple on the broadcast that Brady missed some guys. But I, I felt like I was watching. I, I had gone to Chiefs Raiders last Monday, and I thought I was watching the same thing, which is okay for the first quarter and a half. You've got to credit the opposing defensive line for just living in the quarterback's lap, and after that, it was. Well, if I get pressure on every play, I just expect pressure on every play. And now I'm seeing ghosts. And, and I thought that happened to Brady Cook a little bit. And so at the end of the half, at the second half of the second quarter, I said, just get to halftime. You got to sit this kid down and reset and say, look, it's a three point game. We're in fine shape. We don't think they're going to continue to hit you on every single play. So let's start over. And I thought Missouri did a pretty good job of that. I thought they did a good job adjusting at halftime, too. I, I do think that you could tell at the beginning of the game there probably were a few nerves and things like that kind of going on. But from the beginning, I mean, it was the defense just were the shining stars, both sides of the game. So, I mean, it you could tell, kind of like you said, that it wasn't going to be a high-scoring game. If we can get Harrison, in, Harrison Nevis into field goal range a couple of times, you know... Yeah. Can we win this game? Obviously, then we had that delay of game, which I can think we, would have still been a really, most... really, really far field goal anyways. But we agree we were all super upset to not get to see him try it. Like, I yeah. wanted to yeah. let him try the 70-yarder just for the hell. I mean, I know he's not going to make it, but I just want to see how close he can get. It didn't matter either. Kind of it, the time was going to expire. So, like, they were going to half regardless. So, like, yeah. Unless it's walked and returned. Or for sure. Yeah, that's true. I was excited to see if he if he would kick it or not, but I think just at the end of the day, you finally got you um, Schrader finally found some of those holes. I think the offensive line played better in the second half, and then it was just a matter of wearing down their defense. We had to keep them on the field. They were getting they were getting bailed out because we were it was three and out. Like not every play, but I mean maybe we got a first down here and there. But I mean it was three and out a lot, and their defense was just chilling on the sidelines. And once we made them work, um, get those two 90-yard drives, I mean, they were exhausted. And you could tell they were exhausted, and our defense never looked exhausted. That was the Cody Schraderist game of all of them so far. It was four yards, three yards, six yards, two yards, fourth quarter. I'm just going away. I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna run it at you every down, and eventually I'm going to score. And uh, that's what happened. But, you know, credit to Missouri's defense, too, for allowing that. Because all it would have taken is one play. And if they're down 10 nothing in that game, I don't know if they can come back. 
Like at one point, I thought that game was going to end ten nothing Ohio State. Travion Henderson got going for about a drive and a half, and I thought, okay, Ohio State punches it in here. It's ten nothing, and and this might be all we see. There was a potential there for a little bit to, for it to be three two, and I thought that would have been a hilarious like first half. <laughs> I was hurting for four three at one point. <laughs> two safeties and Missouri wins four three. Oh, that would have been awesome. Uh, but the punters were really the MVPs in this game. They Missouri played the field position game, uh, I, I thought, pretty well uh, in, in the first half there, specifically, because they knew, obviously, once Devin Brown... I, I don't know if that game is very different if Devin Brown's in there, truthfully, um, because he did not look very good. There was the first the first drive, there was a third down. He, he rolls out to his left, right? So he rolls out, and I see Emeka Abuka cut up, and the, the Missouri DB was beat and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is this is how it's gonna start, right? Like they're gonna hit a, a Mecca Buka over the top and it's gonna be seven nothing real quick. And he severely overthrew him. Like it was a bad pass. The ball was never inbounds. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think they're fine. I think they're fine when it comes to the to the deep shots. But then, you know, sucks for him that he got hurt in that game and it hurt the ankle. But like Missouri's defensive line was getting after it. Uh, I know a lot of people were upset about the like especially in my section, the Johnny Walker uh personal foul penalty which you know it's a hard from the 400 section when I'm sitting next to uh to God up there that to, to see the first <laughs> little swing from the Ohio State guy um but again you have to be smarter that choice that that situation to know you can't point and laugh at the dude because uh, the second guy always gets caught you just stopped him it's fourth down on like the one and a half yeah it is like you've got to know and, and thankfully, that didn't come back and bite him. Like, the next play, I think, right after that penalty, too, was, like, a big run from Travion Henderson. I was like, this is how it happens. Like, this is how it's going to happen um, was was a There's big a run right there. We're talking about Johnny Walker and Eli Drinkwitz lost that game with penalties. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's possible. It, it looked possible at halftime. Now, obviously, it, it didn't happen. Thankfully. Also, I would say another thing that could have absolutely cost us the game was special teams because when Luther Burden let that ball go past him for that field position because that's why they got that field goal was because when we were flipping the field they just Ohio State just kept inching a little bit closer and inching a little bit closer and um, once again like props to the defense for never letting them get close and I know we we stopped them on a field goal once as well Um, I mean he just missed it but I don't even know I don't even remember how far it was Uh, it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like a chip shot or anything. It was a, it was still a decent field goal for, you know, teams. They, I never, think got, they never got in the red zone that whole game. No, they never did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, prop props to them for that because yeah. they they had good field position a lot of that game because of how good their punter was, and then us going three and out. But I mean, our defense just it, stood stood strong. MVP of that game to me was Blake Baker. Um, it was. Even when Devin Brown was in the game, it was, okay, we're just going to commit seven guys to the run, eight guys to the run. And if you have to throw it, okay, feel free, and we'll take our chances. Also, anytime we feel like we know you're throwing it, we are blitzing everyone. Like, literally everyone on the field just hit the quarterback. And there were so many, first of all, Ohio State's offensive line, like, that's the biggest thing where the opt-outs don't matter. It's like the none of them played offense blind. Like that offense blind looked awful. They were missing guys all over the place. But also just you are putting a quarterback who has never played, whichever one it is, 
has never played in a position where you have to make a decision right now. And they just, they couldn't do it. The only decision was backpedal nine yards and just throw it in the general direction of someone on down the field, whether they're on my team or not, doesn't really matter. I just have to get rid of it before I die. You know, um, so I, I, Blake Baker had the, that's what you do against yeah. an inexperienced quarterback. You just make him make decisions and and they couldn't. I have one question and I did not, um, I was listening to the, to the press conference, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. But did they say why they didn't challenge the fumble? I don't know if anybody asked about that. Honestly, if they did, I didn't see anything about it. The challenge rules are so weird in college football because there's not technically a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can call a timeout and yeah. talk to the refs and say, you know, I think you need to look at that a little bit longer than you looked at it. But they were saying on the broadcast that every play is reviewed. The, the weird part about that was to, to me was I thought I saw the ball on the ground and I didn't know who picked it up because it kind of cut away. But uh, the official said the ruling on the field is a fumble in an Ohio State recovery. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess, well, what happened was he fumbled and he fell fell on it. Yeah. He didn't actually recover it. It kind of came out, but it looked for a second like he was on the ground with the ball, but he didn't have the ball. And then it came out and somebody on on our board brought up a good point. If Jaden Jernigan picks that up and runs in the end zone and celebrates, the officials probably take a closer look at it, but I'm not even sure he really thought it was a fumble. Um, And Again, that just like the the penalties, there is also a world in which we're talking about that call changing the game. Now, to be fair, Missouri's at the three yard line. I positive at that point in the game they would have scored seven, but I think they would have gotten three. <laughs> right, and then you you look at that. So say say that you don't know what's going to happen after that. After that, if we do score and it's seven three, like you don't know about the other fourteen points that we score. But I mean, you're you're looking at a possible. 21-3 game. A lot of people were like, well, you guys could only score this many points. We'll say that happens. And then you also look at the fact that we took three knees you know, at their 12-yard line. So do I think, I think the deep or the offense played very good in the fourth. I think a few things happened that could have yeah, altered the game throughout. Including sure. the, the Johnny Walker um, unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever he got. But I mean, props to him for bouncing back. I mean, going to that and you could go into that and feel just defeated after that happens, and he did not. I mean, he came out with he only had two tackles, but one and a half tackles for loss, a sack, a forced fumble. Like, yeah, you can't really ask more from him. It's pretty impressive. Um, I, I I got some more thoughts that I want to share about the Missouri defense. We're going to take a break first and uh, hear about our friends at Home Field Apparel. I'm rocking the uh, the gold Home Field of Mizzou Raw. Uh, Maggie's got the Fighting Tiger shirt on. That's a clean one. That's a good one. Praying and hoping that they're going to uh, make a Cotton Bowl champion shirt. I don't know if they will, uh, but I'll shoot. I'll 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 pull all my strings that I can at homefieldapparel.com to see if they'll make a Cotton Bowl champion shirt. Uh, so you guys can take advantage of that by using code KCSN23 at homefieldapparel.com to go check them out. Get fifteen percent off your first order if you haven't made an order already. They got great shirts, vintage designs, uh, all kinds of stuff. They just dropped a dad hat actually. Um, they're of the uh, Screaming Tigers, what I think they call it. It's um, nice with the sailor hat. Oh, I saw yeah. it yesterday too. It's pretty. It's a. It's a pretty clean one. Uh, they got a lot of good stuff there, and they got more than Mizzou too. So if you want, uh, if you got any other college fans in your life that you 
need a late gift for, a New Year's gift maybe, uh, you can go. I don't know if those are a real thing, but you can get somebody uh, anything you want at homefieldapparel.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gabe, a point that you mentioned is this was a very Cody Schrader game. And I think that was a really good way to put it because, you know, I was with my buddy, uh, with my buddy Kira that we were, we were at the game with. And I, as that game was going along, and as you mentioned, Cody was getting the four yards, the six yards, the three yards, like just that. I leaned over to him and I said, like, he just has this Derrick Henry-esque quality about him. Like, he doesn't look like Derrick Henry at all. He might actually be the exact opposite of Derrick Henry uh, when it comes down to it, when you're just talking about physical appearance. But he has this uh, this quality and this ability. We've seen it several times this year. Of Like, as the game goes on, he keeps going. Like, he gets almost better as the game goes on. And really to wear down Ohio State's defense, which Jack Sawyer, by the way, is a is a dude, and I would love to see him play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Is what I would love to see. I was watching him. I'm like, golly, and they were trying everything. They, Missouri's offense was trying to throw the bag at them. Like, All right, okay, let's just do some screens. The, the corners were really good tackling corners, so they couldn't really make a guy miss. And they were trying to get outside on the edge on the horizontal game. Couldn't do that because they were keeping outside contained really well. It was just really frustrating. I can't imagine what it's like to be in that offensive box with like with uh with Kirby and just looking at him and being like. I, I've tried all of these things and like these guys are just like athletes. They're dudes. And, and you know, I do think they wore him down and eventually Cody got it going and everything like that. But the big play to Marquise Johnson, it, it almost had to be that, right? Because I can really remember a play at the beginning of the year to be like, oh, this offense really has some things. Like they, they're, they're cooking. And it was a big play to Marquise Johnson. It was almost a full circle moment as like to get the offense going again. It was a big play to him who seems like he only catches big passes like that's the only thing that he does is, is he's a big play machine yeah he and you know Missouri fans have asked all year like I want him to play more well he will next year and the year after but right now maybe that's the thing he does maybe he doesn't know the entire offense maybe he can't run every route but he can fly past dudes um and that's the advantage I think of playing a team that you never play in a bowl game right I think SEC coaches probably kind of got to a point they're like, hey, if 17 gets on the field, here's what's coming. Maybe Ohio State didn't really expect And I'm not saying Ohio State didn't look at every snap of Missouri and all that, but, you know, 
because clearly they had like three guys follow Luther on that. The reason that was open is the safety came up to get Luther kind of over the middle in the flat. And Marquise Johnson goes over the top of him. And, you know, like it was weird. That was the biggest play of the game. It was probably Brady only completed 11 passes. And of the three that were important, it was the easiest one. Like it was the least impressive throw by far. Not that it wasn't good, just he was open. It didn't really have to be, right? But that, like all along, you just kind of felt like they just need one thing, right? Because it's clear if they can score 10, they're winning this game. And if they can score seven, they're maybe winning this game. They just need that one thing to get them there. And that popped. And even after the game, Cody and, and Brady both said that flipped it. Like, that happened, and we said, "Okay, we can do this. We can we can move the ball against this team. Let's go." Well, and that's obviously where Brady's confidence came from. The fourth quarter, too. I think he finally got that that one big catch, and then he was like, "Okay, it's go time. Let's let's do this." I think you could just see he was he was just frazzled a lot of the game, and I thought after that he just played he just played so well. I mean, that little zip to Luther Burden in the end zone. I mean. He threaded it that was needle. It so was tight that apparently Mike Kelly called it an interception on the radio. I thought it was an interception. Like, I was on the opposite um, end. I thought it was going to hit the ref. <laughs> because yeah, it I was mean, not only between two defenders, it was like right by the official's hip. Yeah. Like there were hands in the lanes. And that's why I also thought that it was an interception from where I was sitting. Every single thing, Tucker, I think you were on the opposite side of the stadium as I was. Yeah. You got, you got the good end zone and I got the end zone that absolutely zero action happened in. So... You, we had to like actually watch the screens a lot. So whenever we saw that happen, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that got picked!" And then all of a sudden, you see Luther doing his touchdown dance, and I'm like, "I couldn't believe that Brady made that catch." And I don't know. Or I'm sorry, Luther made that catch, and I don't know if Brady throws something like that if those other passes don't happen. The best, the best throw of the day was the one down the sideline on the free plate at the Elite. Time, like, time. I wrote this yesterday. Theo is the guy that isn't going to get enough credit for that. Yeah. Because that 95 yard drive starts with third and seven at the Missouri, like eight. And he hits Theo on kind of a, just a quick in route. And I mean, he got destroyed. He just got crushed by the Ohio state holds on, gets the first down by like a foot. And then that is the drive where he hits Marquise Johnson. But if he doesn't hang on to that ball, that drive doesn't happen. And if that drive doesn't happen, then you're into the fourth quarter, and then you start to feel some pressure. Like, I think a lot of Cody and Brady and all the defense is going to get their flowers. I don't think the Elise is going to get enough credit for that. Mm, that's a really good point. Uh, that that play, that that free play was huge uh, to get it down. I forgot about that throw because it was an absolute dime. Like, And it wasn't just the throw. It was that he saw the defensive end jump and immediately just waves it. Like, no. It was the Mahomes recognition of, okay, I know I've got a free play, so it doesn't matter what happened. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times they just run the play normally and maybe it's a six-yard game. Well, that doesn't matter. Take the chance because worst-case scenario, it's intercepted, it's coming back, you get five yards. Right. We see that we see the the flag go up and literally everybody in my section is like throw it deep like because we, we saw him flashing and it was yeah. just it was perfect ball. That's one of the best balls I've probably seen Brady throw all season to be honest with you. Came at a really good time. And uh, at a really good time. <laughs> okay. 
came at a really good time. No, I was I was impressed with how they kind of finished that game and everything like that. Uh, I was really impressed with the amount of Missouri alumni uh, on the state on the sideline. There was one point in the in the stadium, and I thought this was funny. They were doing like trivia uh, between like each quarter, like. Also, there's so many media timeouts. College football has a commercials problem. That's like something that we already know. But like the amount of media timeouts that were taken, and they were all like three minute media timeouts. I'm just like, we can we move this game on? It was like 11 o'clock before I got to my car. That game started at seven, and I was like, yeah. this is insane. This is absurd. But they kept doing these like trivia things. And one guy was up there. Shout out to the dude over there at the uh, at the Cotton Bowl who guessed Tony Temple right as as the answer. And they panned back to him, and Tony Temple was sitting right behind him. And I was like, what in the world? Uh, but you know, Chase Daniel was there. Um, you know, Tony Temple, obviously, everything. I saw Ladamian Washington was there. I saw him. I saw quite a few Mizzou athletes either down on the field and just like out in the concourse because that's where I saw Ladamian Washington. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Ladamian Washington. So it was cool just to see players kind of or ex players just walking around and taking yeah. photos with fans. Like, and that's another reason why I said it almost felt like it was a home game was because almost all of that trivia stuff just felt tailored to Missouri. I know there were a couple of regular questions up on the on the big screen, but I feel like everything was kind of just well, Missouri home game. Missouri has an insane uh, like history in the Cotton Bowl. I didn't really realize that until like going to the to the game. Like the the Cotton Bowl and I believe it was the Orange Bowl is the two bowls that they've played in the most. Maybe it was the Citrus Bowl, it's something with fruit. Uh, they had they had played in the most. They had Pineapple Bowl. <laughs> the, the four appearances in both. Tangerine, right? Something like that. It's, some, it's a fruit bowl. Um, I, I think <laughs> that that was, I didn't realize the the amount of history uh, that they do have at that bowl game. And I can't necessarily say that stadium because they did play it at the Cotton Bowl before. And, you know, I hope they do get again to play that at the Cotton Bowl. But the AT&T Stadium is such a good setup for them. I doubt that they ever do play it at the Cotton Bowl again, even when they do renovate it and everything like that. Uh, but, no, I was very, very impressed by that, the amount of alumni there. Obviously, Chase is Chase Daniels from Texas, from that area. Uh, so it's pretty easy. But the Mizzou to Texas recruiting pipeline, I remember that in the Gary Pinkle days, uh, the, that, tech, that, that pipeline there that they had for a little bit, especially the Dallas area, was really strong. And maybe... Maybe that's why that there was a bunch of Mizzou fans there, right? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I made this up or if I heard this somewhere that like Missouri has a really big alumni base in Dallas. Uh, but Dude, I think that, fourth biggest in the country. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm glad I didn't make that up because I told people that. Um, <laughs> so I think that was probably a, probably a part of it as well. But uh, no, it was, it was really cool just to see um, kind of how far we've come from the beginning of the season where. I know that we talked about at the beginning of the, the season was like, hey, you know, if Drake has another like six and six year, it might be like you might start to be thinking about that contract a little bit. Now there's zero thoughts about the contract and uh, the direction that this program is going is absolutely in the right way. Uh, here's a I just saw this on Twitter. Um, per ESPN, teams entering the fourth quarter with zero points had been zero and 112 over the last two seasons. Missouri had no points, scored on a touchdown on the first play of the fourth quarter and won the game 14-3. Wow, look at us breaking records. No big deal. So there's that. Have they... I Okay, this is a conversation, maybe a bigger conversation. I know, Gabe, that we had talked about this, Maggie, we talked about this on the podcast. 
before about the whole Mizzouing thing, right? How fans always feel like something's going to go wrong. There was some going on in the section, right? Like, there were some people still like, oh, great, here we go. Like, they're going to... You hear a stat like that is like, has, has, has it been shook? Have, have, also, we been, have we been shook a little bit? Losing that game would have not wrecked anything. It would have not have been Mizzouing anything. You would have lost to freaking Ohio State. It was, like we said, it was the... Like, they are the second lowest-ranked team to ever beat Ryan Day, who, by the way, is now on the hot seat in Columbia. Oh, yeah. So that that tells you the logic and reason that is going on in, in the wake of that one. But um, I think this team buried a lot of uh, ideas, though. I think the only thing that would have gone bad, per se, is like in called it Mizzouin, is if we would have went out and done what, happened with Florida State and Georgia or even the Penn State Ole Miss game because I mean Ole Miss just dominated Penn State I mean Penn State ended up scoring a little bit at the end of that game but that was Ole Miss's game like the entire time and that was that was Ohio State's best win this year like right Uh the Big Ten better hope Michigan finds a way to beat Alabama because if they don't like any of this talk of two super conference, there's only one. I mean, uh, look, I I hate SEC arrogance so much, so much. Yeah. But I mean, the 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 third and fourth or fourth and fifth, however you want to cut it, best teams in the SEC just took the second and third best teams in the Big Ten, and either one of them was particularly close for the last what eight minutes of the game. You know, so um, that would lead me to believe that um, Alabama might have a significant advantage in the, what, Rose Bowl? Yeah. Yes. The Rose Bowl. As we all come to accustom Big Ten versus SEC in the Rose Bowl. Um, <laughs> classic. No, but I do think that that's really, I think I even saw Dave Portnoy, like, drop a video with, like, the, he said, does the Big Ten stink? Like, Maybe and he clearly did outside of the top three teams, but yeah, yeah. maybe even the top, because, and again, I've got to be careful here because I don't want it to be seen as taking anything away from Missouri. That's a very good Ohio State team. It is not the Ohio State team maybe we've gotten used to, right, over the last eight to ten years. Like, they're very good. They're a top ten-ish team in the country. They yeah. just aren't maybe quite at the level of, like, 27 NFL guys and like wake up in the in the national semifinals, you know. And I think a lot of the times, you know, the conferences are top heavy. The SEC is top heavy a lot too. But I think you're seeing a little bit more parity in the SEC as like with NIL and everything than you're seeing in the Big Ten. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe if you want to go play in the Big Ten, you still want to play for those big names. But things are a little bit different, I feel like, going on in the SEC right now. I texted my friend that covers Ole Miss in the fourth quarter of that game yesterday. I said, national powers, Missouri and Ole Miss, new world order. <laughs> like that, that's where I'm they, they are going to be top 10 teams preseason next year. I would be, yeah. I mean, maybe 12, top 12, you know, but like they are going to both be talked about, if not expected to be in the playoffs. I don't think it's outside. I, I had somebody respond to me after, uh, I think it might have been after Luther's touchdown, which, I mean, 
Great ball. Great celebration, by the way. And then his wherewithal to go on Instagram after the fact and just like tag LeBron and start talking chirping to LeBron after was so funny. Um, that, that dude, man. on LeBron's birthday, he was chirping at LeBron. Uh, what a, what a guy. Um, also, he went live right after the game. I was standing in the stands and I got a notification on my phone that Luther Burden's live. And I was like, what is happening? Uh, but anyway, um, I had somebody respond to a tweet that I had made that said, I'm irrationally excited about next year. And I quote tweeted and I said, it's rational to be excited about next year. There's no irrationality about it. You have all of the, the, the rational in the world. I don't know if I used the tense of that word correctly, but it's rational to be excited about what this team has with the amount of guys they have coming back um, with, you know, some announcements that could be coming down with guys that they have transferring in with the freshman class that they have coming in. They have the, a top five recruit in the country coming in uh, in terms of uh, Williams Winery, who's out at the uh, Under Armour All-Star game right now. There's just a, there's a lot of good spots. I, I saw people on Twitter, I think Tom Fernelli tweeted this out. I love the Cover 3 podcast, but he's like, Missouri could be a sneaky playoff team next year. It's like, I don't know if there's anything sneaky about it. It's not sneaky. It's not sneaky. We, we would have been in the playoffs if it was this year, so it's really not sneaky at all. Yeah. Uh, college football is the... It's the slowest sport to change, um, yes. and it is, it, it's the equivalent of the, I mean, baseball's better when the Yankees are good. No, baseball's better for Yankees fans when the Yankees are good. <laughs> baseball is better for a lot of people when the Yankees suck. You know, like, I think it would be incredible to see a Mizzou Ole Miss SEC title the first year of the 16-team SEC. But, and, like, just so I'm clear, that's not, like, biased. I think it would be incredible to see an Ole Miss, I don't know, Mississippi State SEC title game. Whatever. Just as the egg, not out the egg, Georgia. The egg deal yeah. redo. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it's hilarious that like a month ago, where our Mizzou and Ole Miss fans are just fighting about who deserves to be in the, the New Year's Six Bowl. And then they both get in there and they both dominate their Big Gen schools. And now I feel like there's like a camaraderie between the two schools where like, Okay, well, we did that for no reason. Like, props to you, props to you. Let's see if we can both make it. So I thought that that was pretty funny. Lane and Eli have always seemed to get along. Uh, they, they kind of have the same type of personality when it comes to uh, how they handle themselves off the field and in interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think I think it's a it's an interesting game. You put it, the new world order in the SEC. A year this year where there's no divisions. It's divisionless now. So you, you're going to take the two best teams and put them in there. Look, Missouri's got a real shot. Like, you're looking at you're staring down the barrel of a, of eleven and one going into I mean uh, the last week of the season that could be the conference championship weekend. I I I like I like where they're at. I like their chances. And we talked about it last year. And look, this is the year yeah. that for it, right? Because I think some of this nil stuff, I, how it's going to change, I don't know. I think it's going to change a little bit. Um, but. You have a three-year starting quarterback who, by the way, for the first time in his life, goes into spring football knowing he's the court. Um, I think that makes a difference, right? You have, um, I think, a legitimate Heisman campaign that's going to start. You know, you're you're going to lose some defensive players. So there's no question. But Baker's back. Kirby's back. Um, Eli's on solid footing. All this transfer stuff. I mean, this is... This is the year you try to make the splash, um, like we talked about last week, and and I think it's pretty clear that 
That's exactly what Missouri's doing. That's what Ole Miss is doing. You know, you need to you need to find your pockets or your windows and take advantage of them. If you are not Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, right? Um, it's not that you don't try every year. It's just that some years are a little bit more realistic than others. Yeah, I think it's really well said. There you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. Left me. Mike Uh I, I do think that it's going to be interesting. I started thinking about this when I was driving back from Dallas. Had about eight hours to think about this stuff, right? Where Missouri ends up ranked in the final rankings. I know that they don't really matter all that much, but it's going to be cool to look back and say, look, Missouri ended this as a top six team in the country. I don't know if we'll be six, but the way that everything, I don't know how far you drop Florida State, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into all of this uh, like that, Ole Miss obviously played well. Missouri beats a number seven team in the country, so it's like there's a lot of things that go into that game. But where, where do you think that they end up ranked in the needs of final ranking? I think they'll be seventh. Um, they'll pass Ohio State. Yeah, I think, like you said, Florida State is just so fascinating, right? I don't know what to do with them because, like, that was clearly not their team on the feet. Uh, yeah, um, you know, like yesterday was no argument that see they were right. Florida State doesn't. Well, well, I don't know. That wasn't Florida State. So, um, now I, look, that was their choice. I'm, I'm not excusing it. Uh, but I just don't know what you do with it. Now, I I think truthfully, if you line Missouri up against Florida State with Tate Rodemaker at quarterback, I think Missouri wins. If you line mm-hmm. Missouri against Florida State with Jordan Travis at quarterback, Missouri still might win. They were also 13 and one and like it can't all just be thrown out the window because their JV got blown off the field by Georgia. So I, I think they will be seven or eight. Uh, I don't see Oregon losing to Liberty. Right. They can't jump Georgia and they certainly shouldn't jump any of the teams that made the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think it'll be seven or eight depending on what they do with Florida state. I don't think Ole Miss should jump them. I don't think anybody below that should jump them. I don't think there's a big difference between six or seven or eight or nine. I don't think it really much matters. You're going to end as a top 10 team. I think they'll probably do what they kind of did at the beginning of the beginning of the BFP rankings when they put all the undefeated teams at top and all the like one loss teams. Like it just looking at the losses, I don't think that we'll jump Florida State. I could be wrong. They might look at it and be like, well, you got beat this badly that even with those players, you probably still would have lost, which yeah, is probably true. Brock Bowers didn't play, did he? No, I they, I mean, no, it's something yeah. Was, yeah, so they had players that didn't play as well, and they still, I mean, it was just dirty. Like, I didn't even want to watch after. I mean, we did just because it's like a train wreck. I didn't watch like any train, Kind of like a train wreck. I mean, you're just watching it, and it's just like, oh, they scored again. Oh, oh, turnover. Um. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to pass Florida State because they might look at that and just be like, yeah, they have the one loss. But I would agree, seven or eight, I think, is about Mac. I think it's really interesting they did with the Orange Bowl. Uh, obviously, the Orange Bowl was on the middle of the afternoon, which is really weird, uh, right? And that's very untraditional. But it was a trade that they did with the NFL to keep Monday free. Uh, so they bumped up the Orange Bowl so they could play their Monday night game on Saturday, which was the Cowboys and Lions, so they could have Monday, January 1st, unimpeded from the NFL. Probably a fair trade, uh, in my in my opinion. But, again, this whole 
the NFL trying to make as much money as they can is getting in the way of the good college football stuff. Just don't play a Monday night game. Well, What's wrong with the college football? College football is also run by TV executives. So. I didn't fit my narrative though, so I didn't bring that up. No, I got. Um, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all. You, you can cut that out if you want to. <laughs> we'll do. Um, they won't find, and they won't find you. It's fine, <laughs> right? Um, I do think it's funny. Uh, you talk about Florida State kind of wanting out, like they went out of the ACC to go to like the SEC, which is like essentially owned by ESPN as well. So, like that's kind of funny. Um, right, and also all the quotes are the SEC doesn't really want them. No, you know, I mean, and why do you want out of the ACC or the Big Twelve now? This. This is literally this is the whole with college sports. I don't mean to get off on a tangent, but Do it. one thing happens and they're like, well, we have to change everything. And so they change everything. And then another thing that they didn't even think about happened. I mean, because this has never happened before. We don't have to change the entire sport because one time a team starting quarterback got hurt in week 11, you know, and that team went 13 and 0 and didn't make the play. Like, it's not going to happen every year. Also, this has already been fixed. There is a 12-team playoff next right. year. I would honestly, like like the whole idea, and I heard Pat Forty say this, Florida State is saying, well, we just can't compete without this money. You legitimately just did compete without this money. Those <laughs> other teams are already making more money than you. And if you win the ACC going forward, you are going to be in the playoff every single year. Like I yeah. can make an argument that I would rather be Kansas than Texas right now. Mm. Which league is easier to win? And if you win that league, you're going to get in the playoff. In the SEC, yeah, you can lose twice and probably still get in, and you can't do that in the Big 12, but might be easier to go 11-1 or 12-1 in the Big 12 than it is 10-2 in the SEC. Well, and Texas doesn't sort of money, right? Like, no. You're like no. the richest program in... But it hadn't done anything for them for the last 12 years until this year. They've been A&M, and they're fighting out for Battle of Mid right I, there. I did see, uh, since joining the SEC, Missouri has four 11-win seasons. Texas and Texas A&M have combined for four in that same time. Hmm. So it's well, true that, like, it's not all money. Right. I saw that um, Mizzou has more... 11-win season since joining the SEC, or the same amount of 11-win season since joining the SEC as Texas A&M has since 1940. And I looked it up, and that's true. Well, that, that's really cutting out Texas A&M's best years. That's cherry-picking the fate narrative. you got to go 1938 to make A&M look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did something in 1939, but we stopped at 1940 because it's a nice, clean-cut number, okay? Uh -huh. Kind of like when we start stats and we're always like, since 2007. Uh-huh. Clean year. <laughs> Good clean year. At least 07, though, like, there have been no, like, if you have to go back before the last world war to start making yourself look good, that would <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I still think 1940 gives them a good amount of time to have That's more 11 win seasons. So, I mean, like. We want 100%. Sorry, Texas A&M. Like, yeah, it, it's not a small sample size. We're we're on year eighty-four now. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sorry to Texas A&M. They deserve it. Um, <laughs> they've got plenty of money that they can. They'll be fine. Um, all right. I think that's gonna do it for uh for this pod. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, Missouri starts uh SEC basketball plays pretty soon. Um, 
do with that information with what you want. Um, they do we start talk about it. We will eventually talk about it. Maybe not. Maybe Missouri football will keep doing stuff that we can just keep talking about them. I'd rather do that, truthfully. Uh, so I hope that they have uh, transfers, recruits. I don't. I don't. I don't care what it is at this point. We'll we'll keep talking about Missouri football. But uh, any final thoughts uh, around the horn? I guess as we uh, wrap up this 2023 season. Uh, Gabe, any final thoughts? Uh, a lot of fun. Let's do this again. Maybe uh, maybe September. Huh? I mean, I assume we'll do podcasts before then. I'm just saying <laughs> a good football season part of it. Yes, Maggie. Um. My thing, my only thing would be would be buy your season tickets now. Jump on it. Buy your season tickets. They're so affordable. And next year could be our year. So buy your season tickets. Get in. And um, yeah. M-I-Z. See you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who on KC Sports Network. That's Gabe Yarman and Maggie Johnson. I'm Tucker Franklin. We'll talk to you guys next week.